Welcome everyone to the Developing Successful Farmers podcast. Today we're here at the Seed Farm in Emmaus in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania. I'm Christy Powell. I'm an Ag Business Growth and Development Extension Educator based in Lehigh County. With me today is Megan Chawner from Penn State Extension, as well as Katie Hunter and Kegan Hilaire from the Seed Farm. Hi everyone, this is Megan Chawner. I'm an Extension Educator on the vegetable team out of Lehigh and Northampton counties. The Seed Farm is in Lehigh County, so right in my backyard. And let's bring it over to Kegan and Katie for more intros. So my name is Kegan Hilaire. I own uh, Blackbird Farms here at the Seed Farms. And my name is Katie Hunter. I'm the program administrator at the Seed Farm. Katie, can you talk a little bit more about your role here at the Seed Farm? And what is the Seed Farm? Sure, the Seed Farm is a farm incubator program. It was started in 2010 as a collaboration between Lehigh County and Penn State Agricultural Extension with a beginning farmer and rancher grant. People in Lehigh County were looking around at the farmland, they were preserving farmland, and they were seeing that the farmers were getting older and that the next generation of farmers didn't seem to be stepping up yet. And because Lehigh County cares a lot about preserved farmland, they wanted to start seeing the next generation of farmers being trained up and taking over the preserved farms. And that's how the seed farm started. It started as an apprenticeship program and a farmer training program. We still do farmer training events, but we focus more now on the incubator, incubating business portion of the farm. Mm -hmm. And so people like Kegan, who want to have their own farms, come here to start their farm businesses. We offer land, equipment, and infrastructure, and also connections with organizations like Penn State for education, continuing education and training. And for anybody who's looking to start a farm business, the first thing that you'll run into trouble with is land access. It's the number one issue that new and beginning farmers face is access to land. That's across the country. And also here in Pennsylvania and here in Lehigh County and Northampton County. And so by offering land, we are making farming accessible for people who want to start a farm business. Then what do you do once you have your land? Um, you need equipment, you need irrigation, you need coolers, you need a wash pack, you need a greenhouse, the list is long. So we have the infrastructure and we have the equipment so that people can start their farm businesses here. People who've been farming for a couple of years, maybe have managed another farm, and they really see farming in their future. They feel passionate about it, and this is what they want to do. They want to pursue this as a profession so they can come to the seed farm. Great. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, tell us more about your background in agriculture, farming. When did you get started and how did you come to the seed farm? So I have no like historical background in farming. I have an economics degree from Temple, um, graduated from business school, um, did a lot of business to business sales, did corporate sales for a long time um, and kind of just 
felt like I needed something a little more productive to do with my life. Um, it got a little boring. Um, so I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, started reading a lot of books, a lot of audio books when I was doing my driving for my sales job um, and kind of went down the, the rabbit hole of kind of why, why pastured eggs are better was my first kind of uh, look into what was different about uh, organic or more sustainable ways of farming. Um, and then from there, learned about, um, learned about broilers, learned about livestock production, went down the silo pasturing rabbit hole, and then eventually kind of ended up at vegetables um, and vegetable production. Um, and the ultimate goal was to feed people. So um, getting to vegetables and vegetables that people were interested in eating um, kind of just became the, the driver behind that. Um, that started back in probably 2017. Um, I managed uh, the sales on a dairy farm doing cheeses and yogurts for two years. Um, from there, went to a pasture-based livestock and vegetable operation, um, then on to the Rodale Institute Farmer Training Program, um, and then coming out of that program, came right here to the seed farm that following year. Great. Uh, so, Katie, you also have your own background experience with farming and agriculture. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. Like Kegan, I don't have any kind of family history in agriculture or even a huge amount of personal history in agriculture. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in Illinois, a lot of sidewalks. And uh, after I graduated from college, I moved to the West Coast and saw things growing and there was food that was growing and I felt really surprised to see food growing. And I started doing community gardening on the West Coast and then married a farmer in Pennsylvania and started doing the farm with him. Community supported agriculture, diversified vegetable farm. And I had been a florist previously. Um, so I started growing flowers too and added a flower CSA. Uh, so, Kenyon, uh, without the seed farm, do you have access to land or any other, you know, related assets? No. Okay. That was kind of why we, why we ended up coming to the seed farm. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, those those things are the, the hardest things to find and the things we need to find first. Definitely. And it's interesting because, Katie, you're, you and your partner have had, because it's family land? Yes. That the farm is on. Yes, that's right. And I think a lot of a lot of people who have farming backgrounds who you'll meet, you hear about their farms and they're on family land. Um, that's what comes up a lot. And so there's really a finite amount of land and there are a lot of humans floating around. So people like Kegan or myself who maybe have grown up in the city or grown up in suburbs, your family has no history of agriculture and no access to land that they own um that land access is a huge issue if you've looked around at real estate pricing especially in places like the lehigh valley where real estate is at a premium because of warehouses proximity to new york city philadelphia other metropolitan areas the land prices are out of reach. So without that, there's there's no way to start even dabbling in having your own farm business. 
Uh, so Kevin, tell us more about your farm, the name of your farm and uh, how you got started. What do so you do? The name of my farm is Blackbird Farms. We're a certified organic vegetable farm growing on about four and a half acres here at the seed farm. Um, last year we grew 86 varieties of vegetables. Um, we're probably going to cut that down a little bit next year. Um, but yeah, this is our sec. We're just finishing up our second year here at the seed farm and, and an operation in general. Blackbird Farms, how'd you come up with that? So I was looking for, the joke is when you're naming a farm, you pick a color and a noun and you have a farm name. Yeah. Um, I was looking back kind of in, I'm French and Irish, so I was kind of just going back in the mythology to just find some kind of interesting concept to pull from that. And the two that both came up was the blackbird. It was one of the three original um, animals in each of those mythologies um, and kind of got associated with omens, like a bad thing was coming if you saw a blackbird, but really what it what the real idea was when a blackbird showed up, it was announcing some kind of change. So I thought it'd be cool to name a farm that in some way blackbird showing up was was changing a little bit of how we ate in that area. So yeah, that's where we came up with blackbird. Nice. Also, I had a friend who, uh, Delilah, drew a really awesome logo. Um, I told her I wanted a tree that was a bird and a bird that was a tree. And <laughs> she she drew it on the first shot. And uh, actually, we traded a CSA share for, for her to draw the logo. So yeah, it all came from vegetables. Kegan, is it just you farming? You have help? Uh, technically, I guess it's, it is me, but mostly volunteers. Um, I have a mom and an aunt who come out and help on washback days. Um, I have a, a friend, Wilson, who's also starting a farm here at the seed farm. Um, who's, if I've been here in the last two years, Wilson's been here with me. Um, some other farm friends who come out on weekends and come with bulk harvest and bulk planting days. And um, so we have a, a pretty good lineup of, of volunteers who are willing to work for pizza and beer. Um, and so far, that's been been able to get us through. Yeah, yeah. So the seed farm has also gone through some changes, not necessarily in name, but uh, <laughs> as far as parent organizations. Sure, a lot of people think that we sell seeds. So I hear that a lot, or it comes through in the email, uh, can I buy some seed from you? And I say, sadly, no, and then refer them to other organizations. Um, but the seed farm is called the seed farm because we grow farmers. Uh, we help new farmers grow, and as I mentioned earlier, the seed farm was a standalone nonprofit previously, um, and in 2019, it became a program of community action Lehigh Valley and was put under Second Harvest Food Bank because of our shared missions for supporting the community in eating fresh produce, and having access to nutritious food and supporting local farms. So Kevin, you had spoken earlier about eggs and poultry and uh, apparently you settled on vegetable farming. Can you tell us a little bit uh, more about how you settled on vegetables? Um, vegetables uh, kind of started with livestock um, and again, went down that rabbit hole. Um, and then eventually came came to vegetables. Um, by the time I was seriously getting into agriculture, vegetables were at least most of the farm, if not all of it. Um, I went through a farmer training program where it was almost exclusively vegetable uh, training. Um, and then starting here at the seed farm, um, again, vegetable farming was 
probably the most approachable of, of all the options. Um, also, the goal was to feed people, and there's, I mean, everybody eats vegetables, hopefully. Uh, oh, so tell us about the CFA. Blackbird uh, has a community-supported agriculture CSA. We do. You. We have a, a farm share CSA that we do. Uh, we've done both years. Um, originally, thought I was just going to do the CSA just to kind of get the startup money to get going in the beginning of the year um, and then get rid of it as soon as I possibly could. But honestly, I've grown to really love the CSA. Um, I really, I love interacting with them weekly and um, kind of being with them for a whole season of eating and exchanging recipes and stuff. That's, I think, been one of the best surprises of, of Blackbird so far. Nice. Yeah, I've seen the, just the little kids that come and they, when, when you're doing the CSA pickups <laughs> and the little kids get to pick their vegetables and they get very excited about oh, it. Love it. Yep. <laughs> nice. Okay, so is that the only way that you're selling your farm products? So we have a, a CSA. We also go to farmer's markets and we wholesale to some local restaurants. Mostly in Bethlehem, but pretty much anywhere in the Lehigh Valley. So let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 uh, and how that's impacted farming. So you were already farming uh, in 2020? Correct. So I was actually in the Rodale Farmer Training Program the year, the 2020. Um, we had been there for about three weeks. Um, we were all excited that we were, um, we were essential workers, so we knew we were going to be able to stay and keep working. And then later that afternoon, Rodale told us if we weren't living on site, we had to go home indefinitely. So from there, uh, got sent home. And especially with farming, you only have, you know, if you farm your whole professional life, you maybe do it 30 years. So 1 30th of that time was going to be lost. So actually went home and started a, an eighth of an acre market garden in my parents' backyard. Um, that was kind of like the, the proof of concept for what would be Blackbird the following year. Um, and we just did like a UPIC community you need carrots come harvest them they don't have something in the store we have it up in the field so um it ended up being like an unofficial group of like 10 families that would just harvest stuff out of these little beds that we had built kind of in that time off um, i ended up going back to the farmer training program to finish the year after about a month and a half so ended up kind of doing the farmer training but also running my own little micro um market garden so um COVID, i think certainly expedited the the starting of blackbird um but i also got a lot of people a lot more interested in in where their food comes from and and how serious it can be when it is as centralized as it is so katie was not with us in 2020 uh or with the seed farm i should say but any comments on that well yeah i wasn't here at the seed farm when the pandemic was happening i was on the other side of the valley with Hunter's Hill, Hunter Hill, and um, it was interesting for us on the other side of the valley with community-supported agriculture. Um, as Kagan is familiar, you're selling your CSA shares uh, up front ahead of the growing season, and I had been doing a lot of the work with member communication and CSA member retention and advertising and signing people up. And I felt like I was doing a really good job. We were ahead of schedule as far as how many people that were signed up. We were ahead of where we were at previous years. And then the pandemic hit and the CSA filled up in about a week and a half or something like that. Um, so it felt like very strong reaction that people 
cared a lot about having access to produce, we weren't, we're not selling bread and we're not selling meat. People wanted vegetables. That's what we do. So I'm sure, you know, Kagan can speak to this as well. Um, just how amazing it is to see people's enjoyment of the vegetables, how much they appreciate them, uh, how they structure their lives around them. And I know that also during the pandemic, a lot of people started gardening because they wanted access to their own produce and they realized that with the disruptions of the supply chain that they weren't going to be able to access those things that were important for their lives. And the seed farm has a spring plant sale. It's, we had our eighth annual spring plant sale this May. Um, so when the pandemic hit, I guess it must have been the sixth. And last year in 2021, um, well, they continued that, they had that plant sale the year of the, when the pandemic hit. And then the following year, the plant sale really boomed. Um, lots of people had started gardens and they really wanted transplants for their gardens and were continuing to garden. And this season we've seen also a huge turnout for the plant sale in the spring. So it's awful to have gone through the pandemic. A lot of people were harmed by it. A lot of lives were lost. And a lot more people are gardening now and appreciating nature in a different way. and thinking about their lives differently. Another thing that happened at the seed farm after the pandemic was that this season we had more people who wanted to start farm businesses here at the seed farm than ever before previously. So I don't know how directly related that is to the pandemic and people reconsidering what they're doing with their lives. But I think a lot of people did reconsider what they were doing with their lives during the pandemic. So that's just speculation. This season, the 2022 season, we had seven people incubating farm businesses here. These people are at different points on their agricultural journeys. Some were coming into the season with very strong business plans and crop plans and things that were already set in motion from previous years, um, work that they were building off of. Others have been dreaming about starting farms and had business plans that were new for this season and maybe didn't plan for how much time is required for successfully tending to a farm there's difficulty when people start a farm business that often the first year is not economically viable to be just farming. There's a big leap that has to happen. And usually your, your farm business, and I think this is with a lot of businesses, needs to start as a side project that you build up a little bit. The challenge with a farm business is that it's tied to the land. And so you have to be physically out here. You need the time to be physically out on the farm doing the work. And that can be a challenge. But we saw a lot of growth this year. And I think people are really excited to head into next season. So I want to ask both of you about some pros and cons 
of farming, positive aspects, negative aspects? Kevin, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I feel like a lot of these are both positive and negative. Um, getting to work outside is a as a positive and a negative, um, kind of being able to be out there and see the seasons change also means that you're out there for multiple seasons. Um, there's the thing that I like about farming, and I think something that's hard about farming is it's it the farm is a direct indication of what you got done that year. You can see how far you made it through the farm by just looking at a field. Um, and I think in the spring that's an overwhelming feeling, but in the fall it's it's a pretty good feeling to see kind of what it what it looked like after you finished or how much however much you got done that year is is right there on display. So um, I think uh, it's farming. So it, it's all connected to everything. So it's it's good and bad. It's fun and it sucks. Um, just embrace the suck and and keep working, I guess. I would add to what Kegan said. I agree with a lot of what he said. And then for me with farming, there is something so powerful about helping, guiding, coaxing the production of the food, of the flowers, of the plants. It's amazing to be a producer and to watch the earth produce. It's so tangible. It's incredibly tangible. Yeah. And I still grew i didn't do my flower csa this season but i still grew my dahlias and was cutting them and giving them to friends or bringing them to events and people would say to me oh did you grow those and i would just say the earth grew these because <laughs> it feels so true i don't know i mean diversified vegetables kegan i think you grew a lot of that stuff or you know, there's a lot more skill but sometimes with the flowers i just feel like i did the bare minimum and the earth really is very productive uh what about some negative aspects katie well this year in particular part part of my feeling about how productive the earth is was in reaction to the drought conditions we had this summer that many farmers were suffering from including the farmers here at the seed farm it was really challenging um i didn't water the dahlias at all and they still bloomed in the fall so i just thought wow these plants are serious um but yeah the negative aspects you know it's hard on your body there's a lot of stoop work um all of the environmental conditions, the weather conditions that you have to work through, the time pressures because of weather conditions, and then the weather conditions and the pests that you have no control over that affect your production. And then on top of that, if you're direct marketing, the fickleness of the buyer can be very challenging sometimes if you're a small business owner any small business owner faces this, but specifically farmers, they're producing and bringing to market. And if people don't show up, then what do you do? You've lost your income. Or if you bring produce to a chef and they decide that's not going to be the special for the week, then you have lost your income. And some of that just has to do with marketing and people wanting something new or something they've never heard of before. Um, so that can be a challenge. Yeah. Sorry okay. if I stole your answer. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. 
So Kagan, when you first started getting into farming, where did you get good information or advice from? When I first started, probably YouTube was the best option at the time. Um, also reading a lot of books. Um, the first diversified vegetable farm that I ever worked on. Um, at the end of the season, I found a book called The Market Gardener. And I actually, sorry, Teddy, I still have that book. I stole it right off the shelf and haven't returned it. But it's been on my nightstand for the last four and a half years. Um, so, yeah, at any any kind of information, whether it's um, whether it's a, a Zoom meeting online or a, a meeting out at a farm, going out and just seeing farms, um, talking to them and seeing kind of how they operate their farm. There's a lot of things at Blackbird that we took directly from other farms. Um, but then YouTube reading, um, and then just find somebody who's doing what you're interested in doing and just go volunteer or go try to get a job or spend a season, whatever you're able to do. Um, just, just start everything, I guess. No, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> so I think this is a question maybe both of you can answer. So Kenyon, what you wish you would have known when you began farming and Katie, either from your farming perspective or maybe what you wish the incubator farmers knew when they come to the seed farm? Um, things I wish I'd known when I started, um, how much time we, it would take to just mow grass and weed whack and weed. Um, really the really mundane things sometimes take the most time and are usually the hardest to do, especially when you're trying to do it in August and it's 110 degrees. Um, also how much back end uh, work there is if you're doing it by yourself or it's just you and a partner or somebody um, there's it's people tend to forget that you're running a small business so you need to do the farm side but you also need to do the business side um, so just having an idea of how much work is truly involved um, and also something that I actually recently just had a conversation about was um, the the cost what is the cost of you farming um, whether that's an opportunity cost for what your other career could have been or so I have a full-time job and a wife and son at home, and there's a cost to being at my farm instead of being at home or, or doing things for my, for my other job. So um, really having a good assessment of, of what all those things look like um, is definitely a good way, I think, to get started. Adding to what Kagan said, I would also want to talk about the business part of it, and I think um, before someone comes to the seed farm and is starting the farming portion, having sales routes lined up ahead of time is very important because once the season starts, you're going to be very busy planting, seeding, <laughs> weeding, mowing, <laughs> weed whacking, uh, and those things take a lot longer than you think. And when you harvest your crop, you need to be able to sell it right away. It has to be sold already. From my perspective, I think those are the things that are um, I've seen people struggle with. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your labor to go unpaid. So if you aren't able to sell what you've just harvested, not only is the product unpaid, but your time is unpaid. Tell everybody my favorite vegetable is a sold vegetable. Whichever one somebody already paid for. That's my favorite kind. <laughs> Which is why I have informally encouraged Kegan to expand his CFA 
Nice. I'm a big fan of community supported agriculture. It's a fantastic model for farmers, for small farmers. Yeah. And uh, at least another thing with the CSA, um, if you have anybody who I have like an uncle who doesn't cook, but still wants to support the farm, he buys a share every year and, and we just give it to someone. So I feel like the CSA kind of opens you up to some other options for what you could do with your farm that isn't just selling produce or going to market or strictly business side, you have a chance to do some things with your local community too. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm glad we're kind of diving into the business end of things here. Uh, Kevin, do you have a business plan? So we do have a business plan. Um, it was an okay business plan um, to get started at the seed farm. You'll need a business plan. Um, so we have, we have a, an okay business plan now. Um, we actually got the Pennsylvania Vitality Grant. Um, so we're working with uh, Pitch Table Consultants to write a, a professional business plan. Um, that's something that we hope to have finished up by the end of the year. So very soon we'll have a very professional, well-done business plan. But yeah, that's something every, everyone should have. And from my perspective now that I'm working at the seed farm, I feel like I can look at people's business plans and have an idea of how realistic they are, but also I don't want to be chained to reality in a way. I want to be able to read people's business plans and also feel in inspired and drawn into their dreams and look at the seed farm with a critical eye and see how our organization can support those dreams that are laid out in that business plan even if it seems a little unrealistic. So in order to apply to the seed firm, you do have to have a business plan already in place. That's correct. Okay, great. So what else would you need to have in order to uh, go ahead and apply to the seed firm? The business plan is a requirement and a crop plan is a requirement. Beyond that, you don't need anything else to apply. Oh, a resume, but that's usually part supporting documentation for a business plan. So how do you handle risk management for the farm at Blackbird Farms? So at Blackbird, we just diversify, whether it's uh, 86 crops. If one goes down, it's really not, not that big of a problem. Also on the marketing side, we do CSA, we do wholesale, um, and we do markets. So we always have a way... Um, get the production you need to your CSA, you take whatever you can to market. If you have a bunch of stuff left to market, maybe you have a bigger wholesale to chefs that week. Um, so kind of playing with your marketing channels to, to get rid of the produce, uh, but then also a part of handling the risk management for a small business was coming to the seed farm. Um, we have a chance, like I said, we have, we have the Vitality Grant for a professional um, business plan. We've gotten the NRCS grant for the high tunnel. Um, so really kind of just hunkering down here, getting systems in place that we want to use going forward, kind of maybe practicing some things that maybe we couldn't at a normal, in a normal situation, uh, but then also kind of collecting some of those resources to, to be able to handle risk when we go off on our own. So a little bit of everything. Like what about insurance or anything like that? Do you have anything like that in place for risk management? So we do have um, liability insurance um, as part of the requirements for the seed farm. Um, you also want to make sure that it's adequate insurance, especially if you're selling raw, raw produce. 
Um, but yeah, we definitely have live land insurance. That's also going to be a requirement for um, pretty much every farmer's market. So then the seed farm, uh, is there any, are there any other risk management type things that you do for, for the seed farm or for the incubator farmers? Well, as Keg had mentioned, the incubator farmers coming into the season are required to have liability insurance. Um, the seed farm has insurance also through community action. Uh, Keg, tell us more about uh, your future goals. What do you see for the future of Blackbird Farms? In the future, um, hopefully be able to find a spot to move on from the seed farm to, um, whether that's owning or renting. Um, honestly, I don't think matters to me. It'd be great to own the land, but I think staying mobile and kind of always being able to move is also is also a good thing for a, especially a beginning small farm. Um, we would like to probably, we doubled production from last year to this year, hopefully looking to do that again next year. Um, and kind of open to any opportunity. I think farm to institution models right now are really interesting. Um, setting up something like that, I think would be a, a cool way to go. Um, but we're, we're still figuring it out. Um, got at least another year here at Seed Farm. So we'll maybe ask me again in a year. <laughs> yeah, what about plans for the Seed Farm? What do you envision, Katie? I made a lot of observations. This season, I started in February and it is now November. And plans for the seed farm include lots of infrastructure upgrades, looking at the greenhouses, looking at the walk-in coolers and the wash pack. We're also looking at equipment maintenance that we would like to see and more acquisition of helpful equipment for the incubator farmers, especially pieces of equipment that will benefit multiple farmers. I'm very interested to see the seed farm have a very wide array of equipment so that farmers can explore their agricultural practice while they're here and leave the seed farm with a more clear idea of the kind of equipment they would like to acquire, things that feel essential for their production without having to spend the money on something or without having to watch other people use it and just wonder, would this benefit my production? Good, yeah. Uh, so thank you so much to both of you taking the time. I just want to finish with uh, any words of wisdom that you have for, for our listeners. If you're looking to get started, just just start. Uh, if you want to start a farm, start a garden. If you haven't started a garden, start a plant. If you haven't started a plant, start a seed. That just, just get people tend to think, I think there's some mystical thing that happens between planting a seed and harvesting. Um, just water it and don't let it die and you're probably off to a pretty good start. So I think um, it's really easy to get hung up in all the beginning stuff, but I think people know when there's some momentum behind an idea or behind it that just just get started. Um, also, everything that I've, I've told, I think every incubator here is if you come back for year two, your first year was probably a success. So don't get too hung up on that. Just you, if you make it to year two, you, you've done almost anything you can for year one. So um, take time, um, be ready, have a long-term plan to, to get you through those first couple of years, but 
um, understand that it's not just going to happen overnight. And every year, seasoned farmers have their failures and successes. People who have been farming for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 50 years can look back on their season and think about what they would like to do differently the following year. And the planet keeps changing. And farmers need to be able to react to that and keep going. Yeah. So yeah, I think Kegan's advice is great. Yeah, I love Just that. Get yeah. started, dive in. I think that if people are interested in farming, they should find a farm they're interested in and ask to work there. You don't always have to wait to see if they post the hiring position. Just contact them and say, I love your model and I'm super interested in what you're doing. And I'm ready to work hard and get my feet wet and my hands dirty. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much to you both. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, yeah.